Good morning. This is Talking Animals on WMNF. I'm Duncan Strauss, and I'm thrilled to be back. Before we take a single step further, I want to extend my humongous thanks to Bev Capshaw for hosting the past two shows in my absence. Both those editions of Talking Animals spotlighting Heidi's legacy on December 27th and Boyd Hill Nature Preserve on January 3rd, last week's show, were absolutely outstanding. If you haven't heard one or both of these shows, do yourself a favor and listen on the WMF archives. Meanwhile, on today's program, my guest is Glenn Hatchell, returning for the ninth, ninth installment of Ask the Trainer. Perhaps you recall that the better part of three years ago, we conducted something of an experiment, trying out an extended new segment called Ask the Trainer. The trainer in this case was, of course, Glenn Hatchell. Your former WNF programmer, Glenn, is an accomplished dog trainer and behaviorist and currently works as the behavior and enrichment manager at the Humane Society of Tampa Bay. In that initial show, and the eight ensuing ones we presented, we invited listeners to call or email in with questions about their dogs or cats, behavior or training, and Glenn responded. People seem to really appreciate the help and guidance Glenn provided, and of course the information is offered that he offered was simultaneously helpful to many of those listening as well. So we now present an asset trainer every three or four months or so, including today. And we again invite those listeners to call in at 813-239-9663. We learn that phone calls tend to be most effective because they enable Glenn to ask the caller follow-up questions, more precisely assessing the issue and better calibrating his recommended solution. Still, for listeners unable to call or just prefer to uh, email in or text in, we also aim to incorporate questions submitted those ways. So you can email dj at wmnf.org or uh, submit via text 813-433-0885. So feel free to call or email now while Glenn and I chat for a few minutes. So Glenn, first of all, good morning to you. Good morning. I think we can, since we haven't talked, we can still say Happy New Year. Yeah, I think I think we're, we're, I think within, we're within the safe window, I believe. Yes. yes. So Happy yeah. New Year to you. I have to say I wasn't aware of I wasn't aware of that um, whole bit of having a date when you can no longer say it until this year. So that's how far out of um, touch I am with a lot of. Oh, well, I am too. What is that date? Just <laughs> just so I'm sure to follow the rules. I don't know. For the first time ever. I, don't know. Okay. I guess it's when you. I don't know. Okay. Whenever we'll somebody, somebody whenever somebody says, "Hey, you can't say Happy New Year anymore because it's past the date." That's right. Okay. That's right. Maybe, maybe uh, somebody on Sean's team can do a story on that, and we can get a final answer. Sure. Maybe before the end of today's show. Yeah. Yes, but I don't. Did we? I don't think either one of us thought that we would be going into our third year of doing this. No, I think, and, we, and I think I, we both thought it would probably go three, four, maybe five times, and then just kind of fizzle out. Yeah, although I have to say, generally speaking, I mean, it kind of dips a little bit here and there, and sometimes there's a bunch of callers. And one thing we should caution people listening that tends to happen often is that we don't get calls or emails necessarily right off the bat. And then towards the end, we often get a flurry, and of course then we run out of time to uh, to help those people who have called in or emailed in. So I just urge you to, if you have any kind of question about your dog or your cat, behavior, training, some other issue, some other animal actually, because we're not confined to dogs and cats, this is typically mostly what comes up. But uh, Glenn is happy to field those those questions at 813-239-9663. Or again, you can email dj at wmnf.org or text 813-433-0885. So speaking of Happy New Year, this is the time of the year when many people make resolutions, like spending less time on their phone, for example. And this kind of connects to an important uh, concern for dog owners, does it not? Oh, absolutely, it does. <clears throat> well, 
I think another way to look at that is how you how can you incorporate your your animal, your pet, your dog, kind of thinking dog here, obviously, since we're going to be talking dog walking, but um, how can you incorporate them as part of, you know, your new resolutions, you know, is another way to think about it. But, you know, they, for me, and this has been going on for a while for me, because I keep trying to look at different ways that <clears throat> I can not be I don't, I don't want my phone to be my to be an appendage. Um, I want to be able to have breaks and set those barriers from it. And for me, what I've found is that walking my dogs, or really walking any dog, is that perfect time to detach from technology. Mm-hmm. Now, I still carry my phone in my pocket because obviously there's a safety aspect. And none of us want to miss a good video that, you know, in a shelter world, it may get that dog adopted. But as far as multitasking, you know, when walking the dog, that's something that I have been emphasizing for a really, well, it seems like a long time, but it's probably only been the last six months, um, as it seems to be more and more prevalent. You know, dogs are... um, you know, for a lot of people will not really think about the risk if they're not paying attention to the dog when they're out on a dog walk. Um, you know, they, actually, there was one of the things that timing worked out perfect when I started pushing this around the shelter more and more is there actually was a story on CNN.com about multitasking when you're walking your dog. Um, and it's, I mean, more and more people are multitasking because that's just what we do and it's also become more prevalent in driving which you know is bad on multiple levels but i i I used to say a few months ago i used to say that somebody that you shouldn't be doing anything walking your dog that you wouldn't do while you're driving a car but seeing what happens when people are driving cars nowadays i don't really use that analogy anymore but if you're walking and you're reading something on your phone and not paying attention to your dog, at least in my area where I live with my dogs and also here around the shelter, it seems like there's always somebody that has had some chicken wings recently and tossed their bones out on the side. Mm. And it just seems like to me that my dogs are going to find every chicken bone with about a 20-yard radius of sure. where we are. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's there's reasons like that. And my dogs are good, but still, you know, there's certain things. Yeah, chicken bones are chicken, chicken bones. bones. Yeah, if they find a chicken bone, they're going to yeah. get it. And then they're going to have that. And then hope they, they're going to hope that they can chew it up before I realize they've gotten it. But the best thing is that if I am actually paying attention to the dogs and just letting them go on the sniffari where they're just following their nose and I'm just following them along, what I want to be able to do as a good dog walker, and of course having also done that as a gig for a while, um, is I want to see it before the dog does. So I can just kind of negotiate away from it. And if it is something dangerous like a chicken bone, I'm going to try to pick it up and get out of the way so no other dog after that. But those are the subtle little things that if all of a sudden your dog ingests that, um, that article that you really wanted to read might end up costing you $750 at the vet to have the stomach taken care of and get it checked out and x-rays and all of that stuff. But that's that's not 
that's not even to, I mean, in, in that case, we didn't even talk about if a loose dog comes running up to you, for example, and you're not paying attention. If there's a loose dog in the area or a loose animal in the area, um, I think, or really even another animal in the area, most dogs are going to be aware of it long before you are. <laughs> and and if you're not paying attention, you're going to be caught off guard. Yeah. And that's when that's when chaos happens because... You know, if there's one thing that goes wrong, then there's going to be three or four other things that are going to, you know, domino effect behind it, especially with dogs. That's it's it's um, was it Murphy's Law? There was always, you know, what whatever's the worst case scenario. Yeah, whatever can go wrong going to happen. Yeah. yeah. There you go. That's it. So that really has been one of my pushes lately, not only for my own self, because it is so easy this day and age of we're walking, you know, even if the phone's in the pocket, you know, if I hear a notification coming in and I know it's from somebody who I need to check that notification, yeah, I'm going to check it. And if I have to respond to it, I'll actually just go ahead and come to a stop, let the dog sniff right around that area while I'm taking care of it. The advantage of doing something like that is that even though there's not people and other dogs around and stuff, if you stop and stand there in one position like that, that may be at that moment I'm replying to some email, yeah. but you could also visualize it to be standing at the desk at the veterinary office and you're signing in, for example. And basically at that moment, you're having to take care of something and all you want your dogs to do is stand by you and basically do nothing. You know, yeah. don't pull, just stand there and wait for me to tell you what we're going to do next. Um and that's one. That's those opportunities to teach them. You know, every 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 moment is a teachable moment with a dog. You know that that was an old myth about you know old dogs can't learn new tricks. That's bull. If it's motivated, that dog is going to do anything for that. You know, cake on the counter or yeah, hot that dog that's in your pocket. Sure. Yeah. So anyway, so yeah, that's a so. lot of rambling about it. But there's just so many. You know, it's like. Well, really, it's like anything in in behavior in a way, or not even behavior, and learning is a better way to put it, that you can almost break down any step into smaller steps. And the, the more basic you make it at that fundamental level, and I've talked about fundamentals before, the more, the more mastery you have of the basic fundamentals are going to make a difference when all of a sudden – you're in that situation and there is a loose dog running up to you because yeah. your dogs are used to the fact of, oh, we've got to pay attention to, you know, our human because they're the ones that, well, because they're going to tell us what to do next and something's about to happen. So, yeah. Also, not, but again, that's, it's easy to say we want to get to that point, but it's also easy for some dogs, extremely difficult for others. Right. Well, and also there's the dog factor and then there's the human factor. And the important thing, I think, from what you just outlined is that you're not saying, hey, don't bring your phone on the walk. Uh, but you are suggesting keep it in your pocket. If there's an important call you're waiting for or important text, of course, you can respond to that. But that's when you stop the dog, you stop the walk so that you're not multitasking in a way that puts any number of critters and or people in some kind of jeopardy, whether it's a chicken bone or or dog loose that's going to cause some kind of ruckus or whatever it might be so and and really if you think about it that is just like you should do in your car yeah you know but 
And, and, and another way to think about it, and it is, again, going back to, you know, thinking about doing it in a car, you know, you shouldn't, you know, drive down the car and text on your phone. But there may be a moment that you can reply yes back or something, or you know you're in a situation to where you can take care of this and then, boom, not worry about it. Same thing's going to happen on a dog walk. But we all listen to WMNF whenever we're on our car or a podcast or something. Um, so there's a di- – you know, it's kind of one of those from a purist form, yeah, you should be 100% focused on the dog. But by the same token, I am surely not going to tell anybody they shouldn't listen to music while they're on their, you know, on their earbuds while they're walking the dog. Sure, but that's, now, but that's different because you can still, you're still visually aware of what's going on you if you're listening to a podcast or a WMF exactly. or whatever. So to exactly. me, that's, that's, that's where the yep. whole ballgame is different. Bingo, exactly. So there are ways to multitask and also – you know, especially if you're an avid reader, be able to listen to things as you're walking and such, but you hit it right there as your eyes are on your dog and watching for anything that may be a stressor or a trigger for something for your dog that, you know, you don't want to have happen. All right, but great. it all comes down to, I think the biggest thing really comes down to having that frequent connection with your dog on the walk increases that dog to human bond. Yeah. And that's all, that's why we all have animals. You know, we we want that bond. <laughs> well, plus it's, it's such a glorious moment, right, when that dog is out there, yeah. <laughs> whether it's on a new path or maybe even the same one, but there's new smells or there's new something. And just that sense of discovery and just how excited he or she is. I mean, you don't want to miss that because you're looking at uh, whatever your latest notification is. And again, unless it's urgent, at which point then, we, as we've established, then you should stop walking and just take that moment to deal with whatever that important matter is rather than trying to multitask and juggle it all. That's it. Let's carry on then. Again, this is Ask the Trainer, and the voice you just heard was Glenn Hatchell. He's the trainer, of course, in the question. This is Talking Animals on WNF. If you have a question about your dog or cat's behavior or maybe a training issue, Glenn is fielding those questions today uh, at 813-239-9663 or by email at dj at org. Or via text at 813-433-0885. So I think we have one caller already holding. We've got a couple of early birds with emails. So let's uh, let's get started with those. Hi, you're on Talking Animals. It's Ask the Trainer with Glenn Hatchell. Hi, I am? Yeah, go ahead. It's you. Oh, hi. Um, excuse the noise. I'm having my roof replaced. Okay. I have a 12-year-old miniature dachshund, and she has become so food-oriented that even when I take her on walk, she doesn't really sniff around for much other than food. And she's like a hoover. Her face is to the ground, ready to eat everything. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't she doesn't want to chase lizards anymore. All she wants is to dig for worms in the ground. And she's, she's um, almost 11 pounds, and she's supposed to be just under... 10, like nine and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, is there something that I should be doing wrong or? Um... Well, my, my, my first thought is absolutely have her checked out by the vet. Um, and you, and you may have, but you know, there could yeah. be something going on that, you know, internally that's happening along that line that obviously is outside of behavior. Um, she, just thinking of, her... Go ahead. Oh no, that's all right. Go ahead. She's on Ursidial flesh tabs and hepatum for her liver, and um, we tried melatonin. Um, that didn't seem to 
balance at all. She doesn't seem to be any different. Um, well, just thinking of a couple of things you said there, I would – so two of the fillers that often talk about with food that um, have no or minimal calories for dogs are green beans and carrots. Um, yeah. I would – I would see if she has interest in that, so you could at least she continue was. to, you know, be able to do things like that to keep her motivated. Um, as far as out on, well, and also to keep her, since you were saying she doesn't chase lizards, if she does, like, let's say the carrots, for example, I would hide them and let her basically find have like a little find it game to try to find okay. where they are, because that's going to, even though it's not like chasing a lizard, they're still a foraging, trying to find, you know, trying to find out what's going on. Um, right. I would, you know, one thing to, um, well, one thing, if, if there is a concern about her picking up stuff on the walk would be to use a basket muzzle when she, just when she's out on the walk, so she mm-hmm. can't, so she wouldn't be able to pick up anything and adjust that she wouldn't be able to. Yeah, I mean that right, she should right. that she shouldn't. Um, okay. And again, in this case, it's more of protecting her from ingesting something bad. Um, but yeah, you know, part of it when it comes to the change in diet at that age, um, there's probably there's probably a lot of things going on and. As as a dog owner, I would I would say seek as seek as much input as you can because it's we'll we'll see. <laughs> I, I don't know what yeah. may turn out to be the right thing for him, and it may be multiple things. And I have at a couple of times I've given her so many fillers that she's actually thrown up. Like she won't just you know lose interest in eating them. So that's why I feel like she's satiated, but she's just mm-hmm. keeps Well, there are, I mean, there there are some animal nutritionists um, who I, you can search online for them um, mm-hmm. is the best way to do. But that um, may be able to give to me. This this sounds like I I would explore the nutrition aspect and see if it's something yeah. from a nutrition bit that's causing it. But, again, this gets into an area that um, I saw a presentation on this stuff once. <laughs> yeah. You know, as far as what what you're dealing with there. Okay. I mean, there was a time when she was younger where there'd be a lizard in a crevice, and she wouldn't leave for two hours. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't well, find that, her with food or and, anything. And that well, and that's part of it with the aging, to where there's things that you know go on when the dogs are aging that really can change. I mean, that will change the yeah. behavior as they age. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good luck with it. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Thank you so much for your call. Okay, Glenn. So uh, one of the uh, early uh, emails that came in even before we went on the email, I'm going to read one of those to you if I can. So this is my nine-year-old dog recently adopted, very lovable. Except for mail coming through the mail slot in the front door, I think, I'm extrapolating a little bit, I think something got maybe lopped off here in the email, gets anxious when that happens and barks when something comes through the uh, the mail slot. So she goes on to say, would appreciate any suggestions on trying to curb this. Yes. I love this. This is, um, this would be... <clears throat> This is in the in the behavior world. We can call this um, counter conditioning. 
So right now, they're the dogs experiencing this the anxiety and and scare. I, well, I think she, yeah, anxious and barks as it as it coming through. There's probably an unknown to it. Um, I mean, there's probably an unknown to the dog yeah. um, of that coming through. Um, what that means. So what I would probably, well, in my mind, of course, everything always, how we adjust to things always depends on how the dog responds. Um, but I would probably start with, well, one is treats, because what we want the dogs to start making an association that instead of being scared and bark at stuff coming through the door, when stuff comes through the door, I'm going to get a treat from mom for it. If I so, don't, if I don't bark, you mean, or well, no, or just I'm, generally at this point, no. At this point, all we want to do is instead, it is yes, we want him to turn to mom and bark. I'm sorry, turn to mom and bark <clears throat> at the beginning. Um, well, let me go ahead and step through it. That's a perfect question. <clears throat> and so, what I would do at the beginning would be to open the door. And I would have treats ready. Actually, I would have gone ahead and treated her a couple of times. Um, and I think it's a she. I can't recall, but I'm going to refer to the dog as a she. Um, and I would open the door, and I would also have some mail. And I would let the dog basically, hopefully she would watch it, put the mail through the door and come out of the other side. And I would immediately give her a treat at that point. So what I would I would so what we've done at this point hopefully is taken away taken away the triggers that that set the dog off before the mail starts coming through. Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden if if what we're hoping for then if even though the dog is going to hear the noise, see the mail falling, all of those things are going to happen, but all of a sudden mom's doing it and the door's open and the dog's watching all of this stuff happening. So if she's good with that and we can drop mail in and the dog's taking a treat and like not barking, as you said, that would be great. Um, but we're looking, think about it. What we want to see is some improvement. So the barking might stop immediately or it may take a little bit of time before the barking stops. But the main thing at this point is that we want the dog saying the mail came or starting to make an association that the mail comes through, I'm going to get a treat. I need to go to mom. Yeah. So, and so, Glenn, just, just so I could picture this more clearly. Yep. So when, that, when those first steps with the dog, so do you actually open the door that has the mail slot so that the dog can see the mail going, coming, being put in and coming out? Or yep. How, yep. Okay. I would want him to, I would, I would want him to, um, him, now I was talking at the beginning, I'm going to refer to the dog as a she. Um, I would want the dog to be able to see that whole thing. Right. So in other words, maybe even go, maybe even step outside at first and put mail in from the front door. Part of it depends on, I, you know, I, I don't have any sense of at what level the barking and the anxiety is. So yeah. that would... You know, I, I don't want to – well, the one thing you don't want to do in a situation like this is add more anxiety to the dog than he's already experiencing with a male come through. That's kind of what we want. We don't know how quickly progress will be made, but we do know progress will be slowed if we – if it continues to be scary. Yeah. You know, um, so it, it – 
it's progressing at that point, depending on the progress the dog's making. So let's say with the door open, we're able to put the mail through. The dog kind of looks at it like, let's say he's got a look on his face like, well, that's not so scary. Um, So what we would do next then is close the door. But I probably wouldn't close it all the way to begin with because I'd want to be able to close the door with my hand still through there, hopefully, and I could drop mail into, well, somehow I would want to start being on the progress to where I'm on the outside putting mail through. But, of course, at this, well, and then coming inside and giving the dog a treat. So that's what we want to progress to. But that progression, it, it's just kind of, it's, it's slow steps through there Sure, is what we're going for. And it sounds like you're just kind of demystifying the process for the dog. But each each step yep. of the way, there's a, there's a treat to sort of say, hey, this is, this is not such a bad thing after all. Right. I... I, I, a human analogy I like to use is we were um, if somebody was scared of heights, probably one of the first things that they would learn to do is climb up on a ladder, and they're not going to hop on the ladder and climb right to the top. You know, they're going to go one step. Well, that was pretty easy. Let me go to the second step. I'm going to come back down for a minute and catch my breath. You know, and it's a similar thing like that. You know, you want to you want to keep improving. But you also don't want to get to the point of, now nah, I'm going to need a couple of days before I try that again. Yeah, because that won't be enough probably yeah. to... Now, if we look at it and even, I mean, thinking about other things, let's say, though, that when the mail comes in, there's a squeak and a flap when the thing comes down. So it has nothing to do with the mail coming in. It's the sound of metal on metal is the only thing that's bothering the dog. Mm. Then we'd just put some felt on there so it wouldn't slam, for example, or wouldn't make that noise. So part of it right now is that we really don't have any idea why the dog is barking and anxious when the mail's coming through. Right. So this is why this stuff's fun. and right. never gets old. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's never... like a big puzzle. Yeah. Yeah, every time. Yeah. yeah, cool. All right, thanks, Glenn. So this, again, this is Ask the Trainer. That's Glenn Hatchell who's uh, fielding your questions or calls but, or emails. We've had a call. We've had an email so far. We've got some other emails that have come in. Um, but you can call 813-239-9663 if you'd like to speak directly to Glenn. And, again, you saw in the earlier call how he was able to ask some follow-up questions, which I think probably helped. But we're happy to take emails at dj at org, or you can text 813-433-0885. And again, this and is if you're on WMNF.org, you can uh, hit the hit the. Um, I don't. I think we actually with the new website, is it still called the Tip Jar? Uh, I no, it's, it's, a, it's a donate button. But I I, I like the, the way you're button, thinking. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. So, so if you go to MNF.org, think on the click on that donate button. Yeah. Drop in a little bit for the station. I appreciate that, Glenn, and we all do. And again, we just urge you to, if you are listening and you think you might have a question about your dog or your cat or something that's been a little bit frustrating or mystifying uh, with one one or more of your animals at home, um, now's the time to call 813-239-9663. Again, email dj at wmnf.org or text 813-433-0885. Just one of the things we've learned from doing this is that sometimes it's a little quiet in this part of the show. And then all of a sudden there's a flurry and we just don't get to everybody. So we'd hate, we'd hate to miss out on anybody who does have a question that it just is so far. Or maybe, maybe, Duncan, they got so inspired and the weather's so nice here in Tampa today that they decided to take their dog on a walk. 
Yeah, without being distracted and, gonna, and not multitasking. Right. Yeah, they're going to go back. They're going to go back. They're going to go back and listen to the show later. Yeah. Okay. I like that's, that. Yeah. All right. We're we're going to go with that. It may not be the case. No, but, but it's a good theory. Yeah. Okay. Um, cool. Is there anybody on hold right now? There's no one on hold, but I have uh, okay. any a cat question uh, that came in this uh, when we went on the air, and I have a dog question that actually came in before we went on the air. So Perfect. They're both by email. So I'll ask the cat question just to mix it up a little bit. So this one says, I have a cat at home, and she drives me crazy by meowing at me early in the morning when I'm trying to sleep. I usually give her some canned food in the morning, and this is why she harasses me. How can I get her to stop crying at 4 a.m.? I usually give her the food around 7 a.m. <laughs> um, uh, that is... <laughs> that's one of those that I'm going to have to think about for a little bit. Um, yeah. Because obviously there's other factors that come into play because no one wants to get up, waking up at 4 a.m. by their cat or their dog. You know, it's it's funny and it's really, really cute um, at the beginning and then about once a year. <laughs> and then most other days it's like, I don't need you to wake me up at 4.30 in the morning. Yeah. Um, let me let me continue to think about that. Okay. With some ideas. Okay. Do you want me to do you want me to go on to the yeah. other dog yeah. question? Yeah. Let's go to the let's go to the dog one. Okay. Fair enough. So this says, "What can I do to help my golden retriever Jake be more comfortable on car rides? He pants even on long trips, parentheses over four hours, and when and when we stop frequently and try to give him water, he resists." It may take a few licks. He rarely lies down. He just sits and pants. So there's a couple of things. Um, always um, talk to your vet about um, about anything you're thinking about that may involve chemicals um, or anything. Um, I have found that for some dogs, Benadryl will actually have a little bit of a calming effect just in general. I don't think I've ever used that on a trip, but I know when I've had dogs who have had allergic things that sometimes the Benadryl will do a little bit, but um, I don't, sorry, I don't even know why I mentioned Benadryl there, but yeah, it can have that effect. One of the previous callers, um, I think the one with the mini doxy had mentioned melatonin. Um, for some dogs, melatonin, basically it's a natural sleep cycle regulator. Yeah. Um, it can, and again, these are over the counter things. Um, it can try there, but one of the things that I've found to be effective for a lot of dogs is a thunder shirt or a calming shirt. There's more than just the thunder shirt brand, but it's that one, typically it's one piece with Velcro and kind of gives the dog a snug. And much like um, a person with autistic spectrum disorder, they may sleep under a weighted blanket. It has a similar kind of effect of being able to calm the dog. Um, but, you know, the other way to think about it, he may be nervous on the trip, but if everything's fine after he gets there and he's not dehydrated and, you know, doesn't seem the worst from it, then I wouldn't worry. I wouldn't go overboard about worrying about the panting and such. Okay. Um, but then again, this is, like I said at the beginning, this is also something that's always good to talk over with the vet because, a vet's going to a vet's going to know some things that may be available that I would be clueless about, but but I know those quick and easy things to try, <laughs> like a thunder shirt, and that's yeah. usually what I go with first in that because it does have a positive effect on a lot of dogs, and you know seldom do they really have an issue with it. So. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think uh, one thing, maybe it's just the way I'm reading this question, but I got the sense that that it wasn't just long car rides because she says here he pants yeah. even on long trips. So yep. that that made me think that, that he pants on, sh- on just short car rides around town as well. So maybe that, I don't know if that makes any yeah. difference to yeah. your... Well, and one and one thing, actually, another one of the things to think about is make sure that most, well, without knowing anything in the past, he may have an early association of car rides mean I'm going to the vet. So the more mm-hmm. car rides that have positive experiences on the end may help to reduce that some. Um, but again, much like we were talking about with the uh, dog in the mail slot, I really don't know how severe the panting and all that is, you know, to kind of make that judge. But those are definitely some of the easy things um, to try. And and it doesn't sound like, you know, that he's the dog is, you know, is throwing up or, you know, anything along the, you know, having a seizure or anything, which obviously is a completely different level. Yeah. Yeah, the vet, the vet association, you know, that might be, that might be a factor yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, so back to the cat, thinking about it. Okay. Um, one of the, so assuming wet food, um, and my cats are, my cats are indoor outdoor cats. I know a lot of people are, are not a fan of that, but they are. But one of the ways that I make sure, and actually they're of the age now to where they're indoor cats who occasionally go outside is more what it's being like. But um, early on, we would I would feed them wet food um, in the morning and in the evening because they learned that routine and they would come in regularly around those times. So that way, every day I had or twice a day, I knew I could have my eyes on the cat. Um, so there may be. There may be something along that line now to where the cat is knowing, okay, mom, let's say it was usually 6 o'clock instead of 4 o'clock getting up to feed. Um, There could be an aging factor going on. And I'll always say, you know, talk to your vet. (laughs) Make sure that, you know, things are checked out um, medically. But, well, one of the thoughts would be what about giving some wet food, um, right before bedtime. Not much, but a little bit at that point, just to carry over. Um, I think she is correct that the cats now become a, a become conditioned to the fact of, ah, four o'clock, you know, it's time to eat because right. I, I meowed at mom a couple of times and that happened. Um, and, you know, I mean that's that's animals. That's that's that 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 is Pavlov right there to yeah. a great extent. They're busy they've training learned, us. Yeah, exactly. You know they've learned that. Well, actually, we did things, and it's like, oh, I like that. I'm going to repeat this behavior. Yeah. You know, and I mean that's that's what's going on right here, um, which means we can also back it away. But again, the factor here that's like, oh, are you kidding? Is it's four o'clock in the morning, um, and. So that would that would be trying to find some way to tie the cat over one thing. The second would be you can wake me up, but guess what? I'm going to lie here until 5 o'clock before I get up to feed you and just continue to push it back to 6. Again, that's going to take a little bit of time to recondition the cat. Um, but those are that's, – that, that's the thoughts that I've got about trying to do – Trying to do something along that line. 
All right, fair enough. That's uh, oh, I just actually there is one other thing: is okay. a timed feeder. They would pop up and open it up at a certain time. Now, having wet food in that for a couple of hours to me feels disgusting. But again, you know, there there are timed feeders that may may do that. But again, what that's going to do is keep the cat in that routine, which may or may not be the objective. Okay. All right. That's a good last minute addition to uh, to the solution. All right. We have a we have a caller here, uh, Glenn Holding. So let's get them involved. Hi, you're on Talking Animals. It's uh, Ask the Trainer with Glenn Hatchell. Hello. Hello, it's you. Okay. Uh, did did somebody just mention to you uh, the, the little feeders that you know you set a timer on for the cat? Yeah, Glenn just mentioned that at the end of his response. Yeah. To the, okay. Because that's question. what I was going to tell you. There's a kind. There's a type. I'm not. In, I'm not looking at mine. I don't know the brand, but there's a little ice pack that you put under the tray, and so it'll keep the food cool for a little while. Oh, great. So, you know, if I don't know what time this person goes to bed, but if you put the food in, put the ice pack in, if the cat wants to eat at 4 a.m., they can. <laughs> you know, so. Right. There we go. And you, you can still sleep uh, for a little bit longer. Yeah. Now, it yep. depends on how, how uh, frisky the cat is. Sometimes they'll bat that thing around trying to get the food out of it. But, <laughs> yep. you know, it's worth a try. For sure. No, that's great. Okay, well, that's, thank that's you. Did, did you have a question okay. or comment otherwise, or it just was about oh, the no, time? My, my, question, my question is that more of a health issue where my cat's involved. She has some kind of allergy or something, and it's, it's just been very frustrating. Okay, but so, so you mean more of a... More of a veterinarian type of question, you mean? Yeah. Or, I yeah. see. I understand. So, so thank you for the show, though. Thank you. Thank you for oh, your input. Okay. Thanks for adding. Thanks yeah, for adding great. that. I'm yeah. glad we both thought about it at about the same time. I'm glad you yeah. called in with it. You know you know what I was thinking, Duncan, though? Have you heard of the two crazy cat ladies? I've heard of uh, any number of crazy cat ladies, but please go yeah. ahead. Well, there's a, there's some, some people I found on Instagram, the two crazy cat ladies. They would be fun to have on your show. Okay. I mean, they they're all about cats, and they you know they're well, you could find out you could find out about them. Yeah. I'd, well, I'd, I'd listen to that one. All right. Well, we've got and I'll be announcing this uh, momentarily. We've got the guests next week are people called Cat Trap Fever, which just on the name alone I think wins the award. <laughs> but uh, but they've done incredible work, and I'll tell you a bit more about them in just one moment. But thank you for your suggestion. Okay. Okay. Great. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Okay, I think we have another caller here waiting to uh, get involved. Hi, you're on Talking Animals. It's Ask the Trainer with Glenn Hatchell. Hello. Hello. It's you. Uh, oh, there they go. Okay. <clears throat> Gone. All right, Glenn. So, so, yeah, so also yeah, one, one quick addendum, Glenn. Uh, yeah. The cat person wrote back saying, this is great info. I played Glenn's response to my cat, too, and she seemed to take it to heart. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All the more fitting on a show called Talking Animals. I started laughing so much. I wanted to meow. Meow. Okay. Now, I think no. maybe that person called back. Either way, we have a, a, a new caller here at the moment. Hi, you're on Talking Animals. It's Ask the Trainer with Glenn Hatchell. You're on the air. Oh, ah. Okay, same thing. I think nope. that was the same person. But uh, but if you do call... Uh, I, think we'll we, I think I may have the same... Uh, Cell phone is that person. Okay. Mine does that. But if you do call, we'll try to put your call on the air as quickly as possible. You may have to hold for a moment or two. And we don't don't answer your phone initially, but we just immediately put it on hold. So uh, don't don't be put off by that. It might just take a moment or two to get to you, but we will get to you for sure before before the end of the show if we don't run out of time. So, again, this is Ask the Trainer with Glenn Hatchell. 
And uh, we're taking questions, or he is, I should say, at 813-239-9663, emailing dj at wmnf.org, or uh, via text at 813-433-0885. And so since I just mentioned this, I guess I should elaborate. The next Wednesday, my guest will be Jessica Kelly, one of the leaders of Cat Trap Fever, a nonprofit organization based in Pinellas County that has helped countless feral or community cats by way of extensive efforts of TNVR, trap, neuter, vaccinate, return. Last year, meaning 2023, they took 1,817 cats for spay neuter. So that's uh, a huge ongoing commitment that they have that helps control the gigantic cat population. And uh, But those who engage in TNVR can also experience criticism and controversy. So we'll likely discuss that too, maybe touching on this giant uh, related piece in the brand new New Yorker written by Jonathan Franz, and that's... Uh, Fascinating. It touches on a huge array of, of topics, most of those related to what we'll be talking about next week on Talking Animals here next Wednesday, the 17th. So, Glenn, did you want to get back to any part of the uh, the concern about people multitasking when they're walking or another topic that we should address while we're hopefully going to hear from a few more well, folks? you know, again, it comes back to those, those basic fundamentals. Um, usually when something goes awry on a walk, let's say, um, <clears throat> it's like, well, I wasn't looking at or this or that, you know, that's usually how, you know, those scenarios happen. Um, but another, you know, just thinking about multitasking, often when I see somebody doing that, they're also using a retractable leash, which is the, in my opinion, and I think the opinion of a lot of people is the absolutely worst thing you could use because even though it's got the little button on it, no dog that walks regularly on a retractable leash understands, seems to understand staying in proximity to the to their human. Yeah. Um, they pretty much always go to the end of the leash. And a lot of the people who are looking at their phone, their dogs are running all over the place. And I, I have, I hate to admit this, but at, th- at this point I didn't have anything other than a retractable leash and it got wrapped around me by a German Shepherd and I still have a scar on my ankle from where that leash dug into the ankle. And it's an embarrassing thing to admit, but use, use besides that, and this is a tangent, but again, a retractable leash is besides if something were to happen and you needed both hands, you've already handicapped yourself because with a retractable leash, you have you have no option other than to hold it. Where if you've got a regular leash, you can slide your arm into that handle. So you do have both hands at that moment. Um, so, Glenn, but, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, oh, no, no, I, was, I had one other uh question that was actually submitted beforehand that I that I just uh, cool. stumbled across now. So I'm not sure the exact uh, issues here, but I think the, the, the main question is there's two dogs that uh, I guess there's an issue when they go for walks. And so, so far, the, 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 the human has just decided for now, at least, I guess, to try to walk them separately. But I'm not sure how, how practical that is for their schedule or for probably a lot of people's schedule. So I guess they're wondering if the dogs seem to be having trouble getting along yep. on a walk, what, what what could be done to foster better behavior, cooperation? So on one thing that is, I think is what was in your mind, um, not really sure what kind of issues are happening on the walks. Um, 
but it is not uncommon to have to do training separate for the first couple of times, or mm-hmm. I say training in this case, get each of them better on the leash solo before trying to walk them together. Um, but how, how many things, times might that take, Lynn, before you think, okay, well, now we can put them back together and we should have better results? Um, it Well, uh, it I hate to say depends, but yeah. um, I would say with, with most dogs, too, if there's some issues to the point to where, like, it's being sent, I'm assuming that it's more than just the guys are jerks on leash. Um, so in that case, usually one of the dogs is – more of the instigator or the culprit. Um, so one of the reasons to work with them separately to begin with is there are going to be different issues that you're going to have to work with each dog. Just like if you were working with two people, you know, each of them are going to have their own things they're going to have to work through. Um, and so if let's say that one of them is the other dog gets triggered by one dog gets triggered and wants to go after the other dog when it barks and the other dog likes to bark and say hi to everybody that it sees. Um, so in a case like that, if, if that were the scenario, I would first want to work with a dog that barks because I, if that dog barks and the other dog gets triggered, then that's going to keep happening on the walk with yeah. the dog that gets triggered. So I want to work with the first dog to get him barking less. And the way I'd probably do that is, oh, look, a dog, instead of barking, look at me and I'm going to give you a treat. Um, with some dogs, if they're really treat motivated, you know, like the dachshund earlier, I have a feeling that dog would turn her right around <laughs> in a heartbeat yeah. and not bark at all. Um, but there are other dogs that it's like, I don't care about that. You give me milk bones all the time. Sorry for saying a brand name. Um, you give me crunchy biscuits all the time. I want to go meet that dog over there because that's one of my own kind, and I want to go play with them. So, it de- again, it depends on the progress we're able to make. But with issues, the biggest thing to keep in mind is get the fundamentals solid because – Usually issues means that they're reacting to something, and the way we want to overcome a dog reacting to something is have them looking back at whoever's holding the end of the leash. Mm-hmm. And with some dogs, that can happen quickly, and other dogs, it can take a little bit longer. And then when you throw in the distractions of other dogs, people, cars, all of that, then you know, then then then, the, then more complexities come into play that we have to deal with. But mm-hmm. um, a lot of the fundamental skills, though, you can work on in the house. So if the dogs are crazy on a leash outside together, what about practicing inside the house, walking them together, but then walking them individually outside, but doing it, you know, doing it again in an environment where there's not going to be as many distractions to where they're, oh, this is how we're supposed to do it on a leash. Mm-hmm. So Great. a lot of rambling, a lot of different things in that, but um you know that's that's something a lot. That's something. Some things to try for sure. Yeah, and it's also something everybody has challenges with at one point or another. Their dog on leash. Yeah, I would say. All okay, right. there's a hand. There's one. There's those one percenters who don't have any trouble with their dogs on the leash, but <laughs> when you got multiple but, dogs, you got maybe multiple uh, issues potentially. Correct. Uh, gotcha. Okay, I think we hopefully have time for at least one more. This might be the last one. Hi, you're on Talking Animals. It's uh, Ask the Trainer with Glenn Hatchell. 
Hi, it's Sarah again. Hi. I also have a cat who is my foster cat. I have two of my own cats. The foster cat I've had for a year, and he's so aggressive um, towards other cats, not necessarily towards me or dogs. But I can't, when I try to take him to the adoption center, he goes out of his mind. It's all, it seems to be other cats that, that really trigger him to go crazy to the point where I took him to another house and set him up there that was vacant, and he completely chilled out. Um, so... I've tried Prozac. I've tried like a slow introduction to my other pets, and nothing works. He must have some kind of. Do you are you do you do cat behaviors? Well, and this this is when in in a in something along this line. This 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 is outside of my expertise when it comes to the cat level. Um, as far as the as far as the Prozac, I'm, I, I, that was one thought that it's like, have you talked to your vet about something along that line? There is, I'm going to throw out, a, throw out another brand name. There's a product called, that may work, but, or may have an effect called Feelaway. Are you familiar with Feelaway? Yes, I've, I tried all their products, and, okay. and that doesn't, yeah. I mean, I've yeah. tried Prozac and Gabapentin. At the same okay. time, one yeah. day, and just just to make him just so exhausted, yeah. nothing, nothing would keep him yeah. from attacking my other cat. Yeah, um, I there there yeah, about are thirty some... thirty seconds here left here, Glenn. Okay, okay. I I would look at iaabc dot org. Okay. For a certified cat uh, behavior consultant. All right, iaabc.org? Correct. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for calling. Thank you. Bye. All right, Glenn, I think we have just about reached the end of our uh, our time here. and Thanks, um, sir. Fun again. Yeah, no, great, great array of questions and answers and great, uh, I think, helpful uh, mixing up dogs and cat questions and stuff. And um, so we appreciate you once again making yourself available. Again, this has been Glenn Hatchell. Uh, helping us out as the as the trainer segment returns again he's um, at the Humane Society of Tampa Bay as the behavior enrichment manager so thanks Glenn we'll see you in about three or four months when we do this again hopefully sounds good WMNF.org hit that donate button thank you so much <laughs> alright so we have reached the end of today's edition of Talking Animals coming up it's uh, Slice of Life the wonderful show with Randy Zerman and others hosting after that, we shift back to music program with Jim Bannon, holding forth from 1 to 3, followed by Nancy C., hosting the Wednesday traffic jam from 3 to 6 p.m., at which point our terrific Wednesday night block of Latin music kicks in. So that's all coming up this afternoon here on, on WNF. This is Talking Animals on WNF Tampa. Thanks so much. We'll see you next Wednesday.